You are listening to Bit Podcast, a business podcast series produced by BitPod on behalf of PKF Malta. This series is brought to you by BitPod's co-founder, Dr. Marilyn Formosa. Hello and welcome to all our BitPod listeners. This is Colette Manjon, and today I will be taking over host duties of your usual host, Marilyn Formosa. We welcome with us today our special repeat expert guest, Osvaldo Miguel Sosa. So Osvaldo, you are very passionate about everything regarding anti-money laundering and fraud investigations. You have about 12 years experience in the gaming industry, having worked with some of the biggest gaming companies, such as PokerStars, Paddy Power, Betfair, and Betson. What brings you here today is the fact that you now work at Computime Software, which is probably one of the oldest IT companies in Malta. And together with them, you've set out to build a real-time transaction monitoring solution called Comply Radar. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? It has been a, a really exciting uh, opportunity for me uh, to move uh, away from the gaming space uh, and into the software development world. Uh, Computime, as you mentioned, uh, they are probably the oldest uh, IT company on the island and uh, they have a reputation for excellence. Their teams are very, very capable. And about approximately a year and a half ago, was uh, approached by Computime Software because they had uh, realized that it was a need. I started working for Computime and uh, together with uh, our team of developers, we set out to build a transaction monitoring solution that not only does the transaction monitoring, but uh, the idea is to keep all the investigations, uh, let's say details for every case in a single user interface. Uh, typically, this type of uh, investigations or processes require multiple solutions, multiple tools, and the information tends to reside in uh, different uh, folders and places. With Comply Radar, what we have done is uh, we're able to uh, integrate multiple different uh, third-party solutions and then drive all the data into a single interface, making it easier for the analysts that are doing the investigations to bring up all the information required uh, to finalize an investigation, make a decision, and uh, also add assessment on the risk of a particular customer or uh, organization might carry. So now let's delve further into the challenges faced by the regulatory space regarding anti-money laundering and terrorist financing. What are the compliance requirements? So the compliance requirements, the, the compliance space on money laundering and terrorist financing, uh, it's very complex. There needs to be expert advice when it comes to the processes and procedures. However, uh, the biggest challenge today is the fact that with the, the birth of the internet and now everything uh, it's starting to move into an electronic, let's say, 
when you buy stuff, you are more likely to buy things from the internet than you are to go and actually purchase something from an actual shop. Transactions uh, are made across uh, cross-border transactions are now being facilitated by multiple uh, payment service providers. Uh, and this brings a challenge that is difficult to keep track of where they originated and who is its final recipient. Okay, now uh, historically this is, uh, has been done manually uh, in the banking, uh, finance and gaming sector where typically you would have, let's say, scheduled reports that would indicate certain thresholds or activity of certain customers and then uh, there is the AML teams that would sift through all this data, analyze it and uh, attempt to flag transactions that might be deemed to be suspicious or uh, suspicious patterns of transactions. This is all well and good until uh, COVID came along as well, which basically set the world population to remain at home. That automatically increased the amount of uh, cross-border transactions and electronic uh, money transfers. Now, from a, from a manual perspective, while transaction numbers are remain low, that is very doable. However, nowadays, there are so many transactions going on and they're coming from so many different jurisdictions that it is practically impossible for a human to be able to flag every single uh, suspicious could be found in this type of patterns of transactions. And where this is where technology comes into play. Uh, the largest, I would say that the biggest challenge would be sifting through the data and making sure that the data that is being uh, displayed is in the right, let's say, format. Just to give you a bit of an example, uh, typically to understand what a suspicious transaction is, it starts from, yes, a transaction, but once the transaction is deemed to be suspicious, then the investigation and the research becomes about the individuals that are involved within the transaction. And by individuals, I mean the person that initiated the transaction and then the final recipient of this transaction. Once mm -hmm. you have, let's say, the suspicion that an individual might be up to no good, then it's all about that particular individual. Who is he? Where is he from? Uh, can he afford this type of uh, transactional activity? Does it make sense that a transaction is moving from this particular jurisdiction to a more risky jurisdiction? Why is this happening? What can we find out uh, about the, the persons involved? So on and so forth. And this can become uh, quite tedious and it's easy to lose track of uh, some of the details that are being gathered. Uh, these type of investigations are typically conducted by multiple persons, uh, not just one individual, but it could be uh, a collaboration between different teams that will be looking at different aspects of, uh, of the risky side of the transaction. And uh, so the, today, all regulators have become so, uh, they're concentrating so much energy in trying to spot money laundering and terrorist financing risks uh, 
uh, across the globe that they are pushing more and more for institutions to apply technology based uh, a technology based approach uh, in order to mitigate this kind of risks. And now for a quick intermission. At PKF Walta, we offer a full range of immigration solutions and have dedicated ourselves to meeting excellence as a standard every time. This year, our VIP Client Handling Division celebrates seven years of success, gratitude, friendship and trust. Our current offering covers second passport and permanent residence options for the following countries. Malta, Bulgaria, Turkey, the Caribbean islands of St. Kitts, Dominica and Grenada, as well as E2 business visa applications for the US and the vetted EB5 investment option through our trusted partners. Be a part of our success story. Get in touch with PKF Malta today. Very interesting. Thank you. So how do you approach the investigation process with regards to anti-money laundering and terrorist financing? So typically the approach, uh, the approach is always practically the same. Uh, what, you, what an, an analyst will be looking at are, let's say, where through the pattern of the transaction, at which stage does this transaction seem not to be not to belong uh, within that customer profile okay so you could have uh, there are different uh, ways of uh, laundering money and you could have a customer that is uh, doing high volumes of transactions cross-border transactions to multiple different entities to lose so that the investigators lose track of the money uh, then you have others that would typically do what we call under the radar uh, transactions okay uh, i think it's also important to note that uh, anyone that is uh, laundering money uh, they typically know they typically know what they're doing and they also understand what security measures a bank a financial institution or a gaming uh, company have in place and so initially what they would do would be to uh, test the security measures at what point are they being checked so on thresholds uh, and thresholds when I mentioned thresholds this could be uh, a check when a customer has transacted for 10,000 euros for instance okay so when he reaches 10,000 then the bank will apply certain checks to make sure that those transactions are valid this individual understand what these thresholds are. So they typically do transactions, what we call under the radar, which would be for a lower amount than the 10K. So it could be 9,500 pounds or euros in this case. This is part of the challenges that typically every uh, financial institution uh, is actually finding today. And in the way that we approach particular processes that with comply radar, what we look at, it's the activity of the customer. So what we make uh, an assessment on is on the actual activity, not the person who he is uh, himself. So there are two different uh, processes or two different stages of verification within a customer 
journey. The first one is the onboarding side. So that's when a customer uh, onboards on a, in a bank and the bank requests copies of ID, uh, proof of address, pay slips uh, to uh, verify that the money that you are depositing in the account uh, is coming from a legitimate source. Then there is a risk assessment made on that individual and who he is. Okay. However, there is also the risk that a customer can onboard very cleanly, which is typically the case, money launderer. And it's only after a while when that, particular, that individual feels comfortable with that institution that they will start, let's say, deviating from his typical behavior. So starting to do what he actually wanted to do from the first, from the get-go, right? And this is where Comply Radar comes into play. We do take into consideration the onboarding side of, uh, of the client. So who he is, what he does, and how much money he earns, where he lives, so on and so forth. These are very, very important uh, indicators of what you can expect from a particular customer. However, what we uh, specialized on is that we do real-time transaction monitoring and behavioral monitoring, okay? So our assessment is done on his activity. So it's more about his actions rather than who he is. A perfect example could be that you might have a doctor onboarding with your organization. And so when you look for open source information, uh, you will find that this particular individual is a doctor. He's a head of department in our very uh, famous hospital, let's say, uh, in Mexico. And so from, let's say, on paper, this individual looks clean. However, it's only through his uh, actual actions and the type of transactions that he makes that you can really make an assessment if this is a real doctor, if he's a good doctor, or maybe he's a doctor that on paper he's clean, but then when the lights go down, he is uh, doing something else. And you will only be able to see that through his transactional patterns and the way his behavior changes through a period of time. Excellent. So, in your opinion, how does machine learning help achieve full business compliance? The machine learning, machine learning nowadays, has, it's become so advanced and it's, uh, it's present in pretty much everything that we do. Uh, from Netflix to Facebook to eBay, uh, these suggestions that you find when you're looking uh, at different, so let's say that you're looking at shoes, then automatically when you Google shoes, then you go to your Facebook and coincidentally enough, you will start seeing uh, publicity regarding shoe shops and so on. So today it's, uh, it's spread across the globe. The way we utilize machine learning, we have two different approaches. The first one is where our algorithms look at the risk of a particular transaction and through an analysis of the risk score of that particular transaction, and that could include the individual, the amount, the payment method used, which jurisdiction is the money coming from or going to, uh, and then it will automatically assess the risk of that transaction. Once it deems that the transaction is of high risk, then it will push it to the top of the list 
of all transactions that ensures that the customer, the organization, has visibility on that transaction first. They, they're not displayed as they come in, so on a time uh, series base, but it's on the risky, uh, on the risk call rather than just as uh, on a time base. And then secondly, we apply a second uh, machine learning algorithm. And this machine learning algorithm, what it does, it, it learns from the transactions coming through and all the details of those transactions and the customers doing them. Uh, it looks at the way the rules engine uh, within Comply Radar are actually firing and uh, what type of transactions are actually meeting certain criteria. And finally, it looks at the decision made by the human intervention on deciding if that transaction is suspicious or if it's a, true, a false positive. The idea is that once there is enough data within uh, the machine learning algorithm, then it will automatically be able to start discounting certain transactions and minimize the false positives. One of the biggest challenges on the compliance space for compliance teams is the number of false positives. So a false positive is a transaction that has fired because it has met a certain criteria. However, there is nothing suspicious about it. Okay. The problem with that is that uh, once you have visibility on those transactions, you need to act upon them, regardless if they are suspicious or not. And so you could have a case where you deploy, let's say, a certain uh, rule uh, within your systems where it says, okay, I need you to flag anyone that has made 10,000 euros in the in historical deposits, okay? And you're doing that because you want to see uh, those type of customers because they are important to you. However, it doesn't mean that everyone that's, reaches the 10,000 euro threshold is an actual suspicious uh, customer. And that is where the problem comes because the more checks and the more regulators become, let's say, they tighten the, they tighten the regulation around uh, these AML checks, the more rules you put in place and the more likely you are to receive more uh, false positives, which in, in turn, at the end of it, it affects the resources of your teams um, and it becomes quite problematic and so machine learning comes into play to minimize those false positives and only give you visibility on those transactions that are set to be of high risk rather than just a blanket check across the whole customer database if that makes sense thank you osvaldo so for the benefit of our listeners, what is meant by case management and why do you need it? The case management, in my opinion, is one of the most important aspects of an AML team because that is where you keep all the information regarding a particular customer. Now, typically this information in organizations, it, it resides in different places. In, in the AML space, uh, there is the risk of tipping off, okay? And this is a risk that if I am uh, investigating a customer and this customer calls me because he has not received his funds, I 
accidentally mentioned that he has not received his funds because his account is under review. That could be considered as tipping off and that goes against AML regulations and you could be liable for uh, quite hefty fines on it. So what the case management does is that first and foremost, it keeps all the information regarding AML investigations secured and only accessible to those persons that have uh, a responsibility to it. And they have permissions to view them, okay? So not anyone can just go and see. Typically, AML investigations, they can be very, let's say, light, or they can be very thorough. And when they are very thorough, uh, typically, the investigation involves going really deep into an individual's life, uh, understanding where uh, his, his history, uh, if he has any loans, if he owns properties, if he has sold any properties, he, any adverse media checks, any family members that might be involved in um, different offenses, and so on and so forth. And this information is very sensitive so you do not want to have this available, let's say, in the open air, where you have an organization of 100 or 200 employees, and everyone can access assertions made on and decisions made on that particular customer. It also allows you to create different tasks to individuals that reside outside the AML uh, team in order to conduct other checks on the customer without having to disclose why is this customer being investigated. And the idea is that basically it's a compliance and an AML hub where if you ever need to display how you conduct your investigations, the type of information that you're gathering, your, uh, your checks uh, on customers, then you can sort of uh, display this information to the regulator at a click of a button, uh, rather than having to fetch this information from multiple different systems or solutions, and then trying to put a report together. What ComplyRadar's case management does is that it keeps everything in real time is updated, and you, then you can run a report on the customer at a click of a button without having the need to get a lot of people involved. <music> Very interesting, thank you. Thank you for that uh, detailed explanation. So with this new technology, how does ComplyRadar deal with a new FIAU system called GoAML? We have two different approaches to the GoAML schema. Uh, one is that we are able to populate an SDR, SAR, that's fully compliant with the schema itself. Uh, directly uh, at a click of a button from the case management system where we're able to fill in, let's say, approximately 80% of the report. Uh, and it's only 80% because the other 20% has to be manually inputted by the analyst. So uh, why are you actually reporting an individual? This changes on a case-by-case -case basis. So this is something that we cannot fill in. But anything that has to do with transactions, uh, what are you reporting, payment methods, so on and so forth, we can populate that at a click of a button. Then we've also developed uh, what we call XML converters. And uh, basically, it's a solution that allows you to create a BI report uh, from your IT systems 
uh, and then you just copy paste it on to our module you click a button and just as easy it populates an xml report that is fully compliant with the fia use goml schema now we're currently live with malta with the maltese uh, fiau and we've also developed a similar solution for the swedish police fipo which is uh, its equivalent of the fiau here in malta uh, and as time goes by we are also in our pipeline uh, we have a plan to develop more converters and uh, enable comply radar to also populate uh, xml reports for more than just these two uh, particular fia use but we would we also want to include germany denmark finland cyprus uh, greece etc there's about 40 jurisdictions uh, in the world that are currently live with the goml schema solution osvaldo any final comments you'd like to share Thank you so much for having me, uh, first and foremost. What I would like to add uh, regarding this DAML space uh, terrorist financing is that uh, it is the wrong assumption to think that a money launderer or a terrorist financer uh, will conduct uh, large volumes of transactions or uh, large value transactions. The whole AML space varies from industry to jurisdictions to the individuals and where the actual money originated and so uh, there is no such thing as a small transaction that can be seen as let's say not important because of its value uh, when we look at transaction monitoring and we look at uh, terrorist financing in particular some of the figures can be quite, uh, let's say, scary. Uh, just to give you an example, the attacks on the Twin Towers in the US and 9-11, they cost the terrorist 400000 to $500,000, okay? In comparison, the bombs in Madrid cost $10,000, okay? Then the London bombings, after that, cost approximately 500 pounds per bomb and finally the London bridge attack cost somewhere around 50 to 100 pounds to be done I am putting a bit of emphasis on this to highlight the fact that when there is no such thing as a, an insignificant transaction and this is why technology is so important today because when a human has to sift through uh, hundreds of lines of data it is easy for the brain to miss certain patterns and this is something that machines can do a lot quicker and a lot more effectively than we can so in today's uh, day and age uh, technology is a must if a company or an organization wants to remain uh, compliant and wants to actually assist and help combat aml terrorist financing risks across the globe. Thank you for taking the time to educate our listeners. It has been a pleasure learning such technical details from an expert like you. You make it sound so simple. Thank you, Osvaldo. I believe this has been a fruitful session, one which our listeners will truly find beneficial. As we come to a close 
of this session, may I remind our listeners to subscribe to our socials. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify. See you on our next BitPod session. Until then, take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Bit Podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter.